I said 277. You're correct. 277. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Y'all say it. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Though I forget him and wander away, still he does love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms would I flee when I remember that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing, when in his beauty I see the great King, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Amen. I am glad he loves me. Aren't you? I'm glad he answers prayers, too. Amen. Amen. I I had one of my prayers answered today, and uh, I'm very, very grateful. Uh, One of my sons who had a disagreement with and We've not talked in about five months. He called me today and apologized for everything he said and done, and, and we got things made right there. And I'm very grateful for that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't handle it with arguments and 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 yelling and screaming at him when I, whenever the thing was coming at me. I just sat back, remained quiet, and prayed. And just let God handle it, and and I put it in His hands, put it on His throne. Well, I mean, put it at His throne at His altar, and I left it there, and God took care of it. And and he's t- and he's took care of other things the same way. And I've got one tonight that I want to give you. Uh, I want you to pray for Jackson. Um, he's he's uh, making some foolish decisions. He's he's about about ready to quit high school. And uh, I want y'all to pray for him urgently that the Holy Spirit convicts him. And uh, problem is he's had a little too much freedom this last summer, and now he don't want to go back under authority. So. You know, you let that genie out of the bottle, it's hard to put it back in, a cat out of the bag, whatever, out of whatever, you know. And once you, they say you can't hardly ever go home again, and once you get out from under that that rules and all that, too many times young people, they don't have enough maturity, and they think, I want to do, I want to be my own boss, and that's where he's at. And uh, God help him right now. Y'all pray for him that he'll make right decisions, okay? Any other prayer requests tonight? Yes, Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Miss Charlotte, uh, she went and seen the eye doctor. She's got to have a cataract removed. And uh, he recommended her to Dr. Grossnickel in Paris, but Dr. Grossnickel has retired, so she got to find another one. So, so pray that she finds an eye surgeon so she can get her cataract removed. Who's that? Right beside that 
We'll lift you up, bro. You get all that worked out. All right. Anybody else? Any other things? Yes. You show. Um, I had three teeth that were, and I have filled and folded it. I'm that it all heals up in there really well. All right. All righty. You go to Crawford. You go to you go to Crawford today. No. You didn't go to Crawford. All right. Anybody else? Okay. I had my thing yesterday. Do what now? I was acting like thing yesterday. You were. What do you mean? Uh, I was on the ride lawnmower, and I come back in my garage after pouring down rain on me. Okay, and she's wet. Both people come out of the rain. I hit my bobo, and it hurt. Well, where are you, Bruce? I hit my bobo. <laughs> Bless I don't you. have enough padding on me. Let's pray. You think you did, though. Yeah, there's a lot of staff on my head. You would, you would definitely think you had enough padding for that. I ain't enough padding back there, buddy. Amen. Well, we're live. So let's go. Let's move on from that tonight. All right. Anybody else? Any other prayer requests? All right. Well, let's pray for everybody that's got needs. I know there's church members that have some heavy burdens on them and things, and, and let's just pray and ask God to work all those things out because He sure is able to. Robert, let's go, to the Lord, in prayer. Lead us. Lord, it's like all the things that are good, they have brought me to be able to find those. Lord, it's like the problem you hear what you're going to do. Thank you. Amen. You be seated. When I kneel 
kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. To thy precious bleeding of purity that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed cross thou hast Nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Boy, I got strangled and that messed me all up. Amen. 145. <coughs> One, I inhaled when I should have swallowed, I guess. <laughs> I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his glory. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longing. As nothing else can do, I love to tell the story. Will be my theme and glory to tell the old old story of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story more wonderful it seems. Than all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story, it did so much for me. And that is just the reason I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story. Will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, it's pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story, will be my theme and glory to tell the old story. Of Jesus and his love To tell the story For those who know 
glory, I sing the new, new song. Will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story. Will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. <coughs> Amen. I'm going to get me a drink of coffee. Give me just a second. I got choked up. I had to get a, get a drink. 284. Just a closer walk with thee. 284. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Through this world of toil and snares. If I fall through, Lord, who cares? Who with me, my burden? None but thee, dear Lord, none but thee, just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea, daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. When my feeble life is over, time for me will be no more. Guide me gently safely o'er to thy kingdom shore, to thy shore. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Amen. That's what I want. I want to be closer to my Lord than I am right now. That's always my desire, and I hope that's your desire too, because it should be every Christian's desire to keep growing. (coughs) If we ever... Get the idea, or as my picky used to say, my great grandmother, if we ever get the idea, amen. If we ever get the idea, we've got it all figured out. We're in a mess because we'll quit. We'll sit down on our blessed assurance and give up on growing in grace, and we'll sit and we'll soak and we'll get sour as a green persimmon, and we won't do anybody no good. We'll get bitter. That's what happens when somebody. Stop growing in grace, amen? And there ain't nothing worse than a sour Christian because they make a very, very, very poor signboard for the Lord, amen? All right. Enough of talk about the song. Let's get into the message tonight. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Take your Bible. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about something you've probably never been preached on, preached to before. And uh, probably because most people skip over it because they don't really know what the word means. And and uh, Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6. I'm not saying there are preachers that don't know what this word means. I'm just saying most people say, well, I don't know if I need to preach on that. There's more important things than the word of God. But we're going through the book of Proverbs. So it's all important. Amen. I'm going to preach on it even if you don't want to hear about it. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to preach it to you even if you can't use it because somebody will. Amen. Undoubtedly, somebody will need this. Maybe not in this room tonight. I don't know. But somebody will. Maybe maybe a friend of yours. Maybe a loved one. Maybe a young person in your life. Somebody will need it. So keep it. Put it in that file. Put it in your back pocket. Have it on the ready. Let the Holy Spirit have it where he can get his hands on it and bring it out when he needs it. Amen. All right. Let's look at tonight. Verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> chapter 6. It read, we'll read. And it starts. It says, My son... If thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken hands with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids, Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I come before you tonight. I love you and I praise you. I thank you for being my Savior and my Lord. I thank you for answering prayers and specific prayers today for me. Father, I just give you all the praise and the glory because I know you're good and I know that you're, that you're, that you're all-sufficient, all Father, and I'm grateful for that. And I pray tonight, Holy Ghost of God, take me and use me. Lord, I know tonight's message is not earth-shattering. It's not something that it's bombastic. Lord, it's really kind of just common sense. But, Lord, we still need common sense things. We need things that, that Lord, that, that point us in the right direction if we get confused. Lord, the devil wants to confuse us a lot, and he'll use your word to do so. Father, I pray that you'll help us to look at your word tonight and get some wisdom to help us to make good decisions down the road. Father, we'll give you praise and glory for it tonight. We're thankful for every bit of the Word of God. And, Lord, we ask you to use it tonight for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Forgive our sins now and meet with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to talk about surety ship tonight. I know that's something you had on your mind before you come to church, wasn't it? Right? Everybody was thinking about surety ship today. Some, uh, I dare say probably two or three of you in here ain't got no idea what I'm talking about. I don't know if you do or not. I'm not saying I know two of you in here that don't know anything. I'm just saying, I'll be honest with you, I had looked the word up myself. You know, you think, well, the preacher ought to know what everything that Bible means, right? Uh-uh. preacher's dumb, too. he got to look things up as well. But, you know, once I looked it up, it all was very simple and made perfect sense to me once once I finally understood what, what the Bible was talking about. But I want you to understand something. We was reading last last week and, and the week before, I believe, in Chapter 5, or maybe it was two weeks ago. But we read in Chapter 5 about the young man uh, getting snared by a strange woman. Y'all remember that? <clears throat> All right. And now, as we move into Chapter 6, we're talking about a young man getting snared by a man. So... Solomon goes right out of talking about the strange woman to go and talk about the shady man. 
So he's going to he's trying to give him uh, he's trying to give him wisdom. There's a connection here is what I'm trying to say between uh, the strange woman of chapter five and the shady man of chapter six verses one through nineteen. And what this does it, it shows that Solomon Rehoboam's father he's given him lectures and that these lectures have been arranged not randomly but consciously. He's he's it's, it's out of heart out of a heart of love and concern. And he, he does it not only consciously, but he does it skillfully and purposefully to teach him. He's right in the same vein of thinking, and he's going to continue down this, this same line. And uh, the, the, the way he introduces this, uh, this, the way he starts talking about this against becoming surety, uh, it continues the theme of self-inflicted economic problems or getting poor because of your own stupid mistakes. And... Uh, while helping the stranger. And it's reinforced by the key word stranger. If you look in chapter 5, I know you got your Bible close to that. Look at verse 10 in chapter 5. Look at that verse there. It says, Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. Again, there's that word strangers, okay? That, that means somebody you don't know, somebody you don't care about. All your money's going to take care of them. All right, chapter 6, verse 1, look at it here. It says, My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger. Again, there's the stranger, okay? It was a strange woman. Now here's the stranger, which is talking about the man. This is the same concept, okay? <clears throat> so this is just somebody who showed up out of nowhere. All right, and, now, and we also, not only that key word stranger, but then there's, then there's the key word uh, of being holden or caught or snared. And we see that in chapter 5. Look at verse 22 in chapter 5. All right, it says, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. He's taken. And he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. That means, that, okay, he got caught, and now he's wrapped up, and he's caught where he can't get loose. He's, he's trapped. And he did it himself with the cords of his own sin. All right, now look at chapter 6 when we're in, verse 2. It says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken, again, caught with the words of thy mouth. So, again, this is warnings against strangers and warnings against being caught or captured, okay? So, again, this is a dad saying, Hey, I don't want to see this happen. I don't want you to be hurt. He didn't want him to get, get his whole life taken away with the, with, the, with the harlot. He didn't want him throwing everything away uh, with her and end up spending all his life paying some uh, a man a debt that he owed him because he had fooled around with his wife. He didn't want him to wind up giving every bit of his labor to to somebody else who hated his gut. And here he's saying, I don't want I don't want some man to come along and do the very same thing to you. So the warning against these shady types of men are placed right next to the warnings against the strange woman, so that the warnings against the naive versus wicked men should be considered just equally as important as the warning against the naive or the strange woman. Does that make sense to you? All right. So both of them are taking you for all you got. You understand? That's the thing. If they're both doing the same thing, but they're doing it in two different ways. All right? So what is surety? Anybody here know for sure? Are you sure you know what surety means? You're you're right. You're you're 100 percent. Cosigner, we call it a cosigner. Yep, you're a cosigner. That's exactly what this means. All right. 
surety means a pledge, is what it means, cosign or pledge, or security for payment, which, for example, I'll give you an example. If you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'll give you a second to find that. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we read about David. That was when uh, Goliath was in the valley challenging everybody. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'll turn there in my Bible, so we maybe we'll get there about the same time. You beat me, you can holler amen. <laughs> All right. First Samuel chapter 17. Y'all beat me bad. I ain't got there yet. All right, 17, verses 17 and 18. All right, and Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. What is he saying? Make them pay you for it. Make them give you what they owe you and bring it back to me. I'm delivering bread, popcorn, and cheese. I want my money for it. Isn't that what parched corn is? Popcorn? I think it's popcorn. I was I think it odd to take popcorn to soldiers, but hey, popcorn's cheese and bread. I guess that's food, food for soldiers. But anyway, my point is that was payment. Amen? So uh, he said take a pledge, so get their money. So the word used was used in early trade transactions of the Israelites. At the surety ship or a pledge. In, in the in the warnings that, that Solomon is given against surety ship in the book of Proverbs, it all started with the influence of the Israelites' contact with the Phoenicians. Okay? Now you say, what, who are they? Well, the Phoenicians live, let's see, where are we at? Right here in Israel. They live from Ptolemais on up to where Tripolis is at. Tyre and Sidon, you hear about Tyre and Sidon in the Bible. Right along the coast, there's a strip here that was it's called Phoenicia. That's where the Phoenicians lived, okay? And they were they're the coastal cities, so that's where the ports are where the ships pull in, where the merchandise comes off. So guess what's all in Phoenicia? There's a bunch of merchants and tradesmen that live in Phoenicia. So they unload the ships and they load up their, their wagons, their camels and all their stuff, and they get it all loaded up with their goods and they go and all through, through Israel and going to all the cities and, and trading and selling things. So what happened was covered the value of selling on credit. Okay? They, they figured out, you know, I can sell this on credit and I can get rich by doing this on credit. But a man could buy his goods. He could escape the pressure of a creditor hounding him, trying to catch up with him and give him a bad time. Or he could get a better loan on more favorable items if he had surety or a cosigner. Somebody signed with him. Of course, you can get more stuff. you got somebody else on this with you. Or I won't have to be as bad because I know I can always go find that other guy. So it was a benefit to him. And, you know, if, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, will you, will you be surety for me, please? You know, and you say, yeah, man, I'll be glad to do that for you. I mean, that might be one of the most kind things you could ever do if somebody's in a bind to help them out. If, you're, if that's your friend and you say, man, I need help, please help me, that might be the most kind thing you could do. But you got to understand, along with regular lines of credit, there also sprang up amongst that some fraudulent credit lines and things of that nature in a fraudulent system. So Phoenicians are Jewish money lenders, a.k.a. the stranger. They were ready to make loans to big spenders who had money burning a hole in their pocket who, who you know, 
think about next week or when payday was coming. They just wanted it, wanted it, wanted it because they had it on the wagon train, hey, or they had it on the camel train or whatever. I got to have that. I don't care what it costs. Hey, man, spot me, okay? Sure, I will. Yeah, I'll shake you here and sign my paper and we're done. That happened a lot. You know, you have places kind of like that today. I think about pawn shops, okay? I think about same-day car title, cash-only, pay-off, loan, whatever, all them places like that. I think casinos, well, they'll take you in, take all your money as long as you spend it, boy, and then you head out the door broke and fast. But, you know, and I think about carnivals. They want you to come in. Come on, spin the wheel. Here, do this thing. It's all to take you for everything you've got. That's all that junkie. P.T. Barnum, he said, there's a sucker born every minute. That's the famous saying, amen? <clears throat> you know? There's even songs about this. I'll give you one particular. Y'all all know it. Everybody in here knows it. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. Y'all know I owe my soul to the company store. What are you saying? Yeah, I got in a bad deal. And it took me everything I had. Amen? Okay, so... I bet there ain't, ain't nobody else in the Baptist church tonight in America sang that song. What you on that? <laughs> Amen. Probably nobody talking about surety either, but hey. But anyway, that there's plenty of opportunities out there to be taken, okay? Maybe we're not dealing with merchant trains that come through and things of that nature, but there's plenty of obligations you can get into as a modern-day Christian to put yourself in a lot of trouble. And, and especially it's talking to a young person who's gullible, naive, and impressionable. Most of us in here have lived long enough and had enough had enough uh, scam calls and everything else and been in enough bad deals that we've made that we've learned to be careful. But not everybody's that way. People, young people are very impressionable, can be taken very easily. I found, I, you know, I remember, <clears throat> I remember my brother one time. Y'all remember XL Telephone? That scam, that pyramid scheme. My brother got in that thing. He called me one time. He said, hey, man, come over. i got to tell you something. i got to share this with you. This is incredible. I come over to his house. He, said, he, he pulled out that thing with a flip in the page. He's showing me how to work. He said, he said, you know, my sponsor, he told me, he said, I need to be driving around through the car lots and looking at new pickup trucks, get my mind on my goals and all this. He never made nothing in it. It was a scam. It's all been a scam. I, I mean, listen, I, I, I sniffed around of it long enough to figure out it was a scam, and I got out of it. But I, I, I got in some of that stuff, too. Listen, I, you, you can get caught up in, in some of that stuff. It ain't none of it. it, it there's a good rule to live by, and it's ain't the Bible, but I tell you what, it, it's as true as anything that's in the Bible. If it looks too good to be true, it is. Amen. So it, it, there's plenty of things ready to be taking you, okay? But, again, the surety thing that we're talking about, it wasn't hard to do. It, it, you, just, you just filled out a form. You just wrote a few words in, signed your name, shook hands, Struck hands, that's what that means, striking hands with a stranger. I'll shake hands. I'll be in a deal with you. And that handshake was your agreement that the obligation was accepted, and that was it. And and then think about it. It'd be unfriendly if somebody asked you to help them out the time. You'd say, no. And most of us in here, we think, well, the Lord would want us to help somebody. I mean, that's modern Christian thought. You know, we're supposed to do anything anybody needs. But God give us a brain, y'all. God give us a brain, and God give us the Holy Spirit, give us discernment to understand when somebody's trying to con us. And there's plenty of con people in this world. We live. I say con, used to be con men. There's plenty of con women, too. So you have to be careful this day and time. It doesn't mean that we have to be uh, 
you know, just absolutely cruel to people or, or unfeeling or uncaring. That's not true. When the Holy Spirit of God is telling you this person needs your help, help them, you need to help them. You don't need to argue with God. But you know what? When it's just your bleeding heart because you feel bad for people, that'll get you in trouble sometimes. Yeah. Or my mama's in. Right. My mama's in the hospital in Antlers, Oklahoma, and I just need ten dollars worth of gas. Get up her. She's having brain surgery in the morning. Would you please help me? I have, I've heard that more one out of more than one person's mouth. Same story. I think they probably talked to each other about the stories and came to me at different times. Except I think one was in Ada and one was in uh, Antlers or Atoka somewhere. But anyway, it was far enough away I couldn't find out if it was real or not. Had one pull up one night at the church and, and talking about, uh, my son's got brain cancer and he needs medicine. And, and they got it at Eckerd. It was back when it was Eckerd drug. That's a long time how long that was ago. <laughs> but uh, it, it's at Eckerd and, and we need we need some money. We need this much money to just, we got half of it. We need the other half. Okay. We'll follow you up there. We, <laughs> we, turn, we turn to go toward Eckerd. They went the other direction. See, people will take advantage of it. And Solomon, he's warning his his readers here. He's saying he's saying that there might be in, in, in a moment of careless weakness, you say, "Oh, it won't hurt me to help somebody." God didn't lead you to do that. You just felt bad for them. Look, I, it's, it's normal to feel. You see somebody and then they. It's normal to feel bad, but you know what? You need to make sure you look at the situation. And you think, does this look right? Does this look right to me? Does this seem right? Does this feel like I'm being taken, or is this somebody seems? Sometimes you don't know. I understand that, but but we're not talking about helping somebody with five dollars one time at a gas station, or twenty dollars one time, or, or or helping somebody with some is hungry with kids, giving them giving them a hundred dollar bill. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking that. What I'm trying to say is, when somebody asks you to help me and, and get into something where it's going to end up, you're you're on the line for something. Okay. And, and a lot of times it's just, and, and I hate to say it, but I, I was world's worst, and I, I probably cost her more money than you could ever imagine, and I've asked her to forgive me for it. You know, I was I was pretty lousy growing up. But kids are bad about getting you in bad stuff that you that you end up costing you. Grandkids will do the same thing to you. Family will, will cost you sometimes. They really will. I know. And and because I've cost plenty of people plenty of money when I was stupid and younger. But what I'm trying to say when we when we get into that moment of careless weakness where we give in, oftentimes it's just the first link in a long chain of shame and humiliation and anxiety and stress and worry, all depriving your life of the peace that ought to be in it because you got into something you shouldn't have got in. But, you know, young people do the same things. They'll jump and take out loans. They'll get in stuff. They think they know what they're doing. And they incur a bunch of debt, and then they can't pay their bills, and then they're in a mess, and they're hollering, "Hey, Mama and Daddy, or Grandma and Grandpa, somebody help me out!" And they put you on the hook to help them out when they're drowning in debt themselves. That happens. People need to be careful. But I want you to understand: under it was a little different under Jewish law. Under Jewish debt law, it was hard and stern. There wasn't a whole lot of give, and, and it would be enforced on on the man who incurred the debt to the fullest extent of the law. I want you to understand what all is involved in this. He might lose his money. He might lose his land. He might lose the very bed he slept on. He might lose the very coat from off of his back to keep him warm. 
Proverbs 26.16 says this. It says, take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. I used to wonder what that verse meant. I learned what it meant today. It really didn't register. But it's saying a person that's surety for a stranger, he's, he's a guarantee for somebody he don't know. If, you, if, you've loaned, if you're going to loan this guy money, you better take something as a deposit because he's made a foolish decision. So take his coat. That way you know he's going to pay you back first. That's what the Bible say in there. Okay? Make sure you got a deposit. And, I mean, this is that's pretty strict. That's pretty stern language. I mean, this guy will be cold tonight, but, hey, you'll remember he needs to pay you. Okay? That almost sounds like bully tactics. But but you know what? See, the older and, and the more lenient law of Moses, I mean, you say, the law of Moses is lenient? Yeah. They stopped following that evidently because Exodus 22, 25-27, listen to this. If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as a usurer or a loan shark, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. Don't charge him interest. If thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge, thou shalt deliver it unto him by, the, by that the sun goeth down. If you take his coat, say, pay me today, you've got to take his coat back before it gets dark. That For that is his covering only. It is his raiment for his skin. Wherein shall he sleep? And it shall come to pass when he cries unto me that I will hear, for I'm gracious. See, that was God talking under the law. He's saying, now you can't be that way to people. But see, evidently, they, they laid that aside. A man might be brought into a lifelong bondage if he's made surety for somebody and that person got him into a bond that he can't pay. He might be subject only to the possible relief of the year of Jubilee, which the people were religious, if they were religious enough to keep the year of Jubilee and observe it, that's every 50 years. And, and uh, bonds were that had been held were broken. Liberty was given to slaves, and, 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 and property was given back to those who had been taken from, all that. And people lived a simple life. They gleaned off of what grew that year. They didn't have to – there wasn't a lot of work done. So if they observed that, he would be released from it. But that's only if it happened that 50 years occurred within his lifetime at the right time. So that was the only possible relief he had. And it's possible that his wives, his wife or wives, his sons, his daughters, they might be partakers in the same slavery that he's involved in because of his death. Listen to Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn because of the dirt. Times were so hard they had to sell everything. There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute to pay our taxes, in other words, and that upon our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as, as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and daughters to be servants. And some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. So that, they could be in that position because of owing money. We, get into, I mean, we can go to bankruptcy court and get out of it. But you know, they couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. And against such an evil, no warning could be too frequent or could be too urgent. I mean, God says there, I mean, through, through Solomon, he says in verse 2, and I know you thought you're only on verse 2, but we're almost done. He says, stricken thy hand, he said, thou hast, oh, I'm not even more on verse 1. He said, thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger. In other words, again, that's just a natural symbol of the promise to keep a contract. In this case, in other words, to pay another man's debt. And in verse 2, he says, he says, or if thou art snared, 
And he said, with the words by mouth, are taken with the words by mouth. So, again, there's no getting out of it. So, verse 3, he says, Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. So what he's saying is this. He's saying, right now, go right now, son. Go right now to your friend's house and get yourself out of this mess. Go. Be very, very humble. Beg, plead, cry, scream, beg, whatever you got to do in order to get yourself out of this situation with your friend. Because as long as you're connected to the debt, your friendship's going to be in danger. And you're in danger. Freeing yourself makes your friend your companion again and not your creditor. Don't, if you want, listen, if you help somebody, you better make sure if you co-sign with somebody, it's somebody you, that you know and love that ain't going to turn on you. Because money has a way of souring even the best relationships. <clears throat> Verse 4 and 5, Solomon insists on urgency. He says, give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. He's saying, if you get what I'm saying, don't you lay down tonight and say, I'll take care of it tomorrow. You do it now. Don't wait. There's such an urgency for you to get out from under this heavy death that may be on you for the rest of your life. He says, deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter. My writer's a roe up here. thinking it is. thinking that's what the Bible calls it there. And you think about that. I'm going to tell you something. I hit. I had a. I won't say I hit a deer one time, but I had a deer hit me one time. And what I mean by that was I, I was driving. I think I had a. I don't know. Was that an Oldsmobile van or a Pontiac van we had at that time? It was kind of green and gray. I don't remember. But anyway, we lived in Arkansas, and I was driving up to the country store. It was about dark, and and as doe came out of the woods and ran across the front of the vehicle, and you know, there's always usually two, and I didn't think about it. And I she went by me, and the next one, boom! I heard a big old bang hit the back of the van. And that doe head butted back of my van, and I stopped and I jumped out, and that, that deer was laying there in the road, still as could be. I started walking over to it, and I got that far made a Joanne, and that deer with the coming up off that ground, them heels, I mean, them, them paws clicking that pavement, and boy, you want to talk about somebody get out of the way? I got out of the way. Amen. I never forget one time I was, I was in, I was hunting, I was in my teen years, and I'd gotten in trouble for doing something with a with a bigger gun and. And I got stuck with a twenty-two. And you don't dare hunt with a twenty-two. I mean, that just—that was kind of an insult to injury thing. Uh, long story short, I'm standing there with a forty-four Marlin forty-four Magnum. You know, it's a, it's a lever action, and it's it's one in the chamber. And I'm and my stepdad's on the other side of the truck. I tell this, we got fifteen minutes. But anyway, he's standing on the other side of the truck talking to this fellow he knows, and, and I'm bored, and I'm standing there with a forty-four Magnum, and I'm cocking the hammer back, and I'm and I'm letting the trigger off, and and just doing it back and forth because I'm bored to stand there. Here in a minute, boom! I missed my foot by about that much. And two grown men jumped about two feet in the air on the other side of the pickup truck. Well, needless to say, I wound up with a two, I wound up with a 22 hunt. Okay? So I'm in a deer blind early that morning. This is in Arkansas. They run dogs, so I can hear the dogs come, coming through the woods, and I'm getting excited. Here they come, here they come. So, and I hear, I hear it coming. And sure enough, that, that little, that four or five point, six point, whatever, bounced right out right in front of me. And I had 17 bullets in that thing. It was one of them. I mean, holes all bunch of them. And I went, ow, ow. That deer started running and hitting this tree and hitting that tree. It was in a thicket. Man, he was trying to get out of there so bad. He, I mean, he looked like a pinball machine bouncing off pine trees. I, I hit him about 12, 14 times, but I didn't, I didn't kill him. Because you can't get one with a twenty-two unless you hit it just dead on. 
Don't feel sorry for the deer. It was a long time ago. It's been dead for a long time. But anyway, my point is, boy, deer try to get away from something in a hurry. And that's the way God's saying we need to get away from a bad bit. We don't need to get in it. He says a bird from the hand of the fowler. You try to catch a bird in your hand, well, it's like it beats you to death in wings trying to get away from you. <clears throat> that's another funny story. My brother had the worst luck with birds. I say luck. I don't believe in luck. Y'all know that. But uh, he was driving one time. He had a hawk come in his window. It hit, hit his his West Coast bear, and then it come in the window, come in the truck with him. Uh, about give it, give him the pickup truck going down the road. I, I tell you, the thing is, God's given us visual imagery to say, get out of there, stay away from it, don't fool with it. Again, just like the guy driving past the harlot's house or going by the harlot's house. Like the alcoholic going by the liquor store. Don't mess with it. Don't hang around people that are greedy and always want you to help, always wanting something from you. Make sure you make the right friends. And be careful about these agreements that you let yourself get into. Always, no matter what it is, no matter what situation comes before you, because believe you me, I've seen, I've heard more sad sob stories than you can imagine. As a preacher, as a pastor of a church, I've heard a jillion of them. But I can tell you this, about 95% of them were all con stories. And the ones that were real were obvious. Don't be fooled by a sad story. There's a lot of them. Some people practice them constantly, and they're good at it. Pray. Ask God to guide you. But don't, don't hurriedly enter into some kind of an agreement with somebody. Pray about it. Never just jump right at something because you feel bad. Always pray about it. And don't put yourself in a bad situation. It's going to cost you for a long time. Hey, man, let's stand together. I'm going to let you out of here early tonight. I won't take it back, son. I'm going to be so happy coming back from the Cowboys game. I'll, I'll probably just preach this. It ain't going to matter. It's preseason, brother. Hey, man, for all y'all watching tonight, worry about it. We're, watching, we're talking Cowboys. Anyway. God bless you tonight. I hope the Lord blesses you. I hope uh, I hope you have a good rest of the week. And uh, pray pray for my kids. They need it. Pray for my family. I, I really need that. Um, pray for us to safe trip back over there Friday and Saturday. Anybody else going anywhere needing prayer for a trip, safety, or anything? All right. Miss Nail, uh, Miss Shirley said, what was the final verdict on her? Did they ever say whether she's going to have it? When she's going. Okay. Okay. I didn't. I, it was late last night, and I really didn't catch all that. So, all right. And uh, Raina, yeah. any update on that? She, she's back at home. She's very mom and her mom was the wrong day. They uh, they had a bunch. Well, we're lifting y'all up in that situation. Um, y'all remember Brother Daryl Weaver? His wife Wanda. She's she's very ill, got some stomach problems. They having having a real hard time. So y'all lift Wanda Weaver up in prayer, please. Uh, she needs she needs some prayers. All right, let's go, to Lord, tonight. The word of prayer. Let's ask God to bless us, take care of us as we go to our homes. And uh, Richard, lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you today, Father. We thank you.